Welcome, Internet, to the Pixel Play Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast where we get together to talk about all the news, rumors, and discussions going on this week in the gaming world. I am one of your co-hosts, Kalen, a.k.a. Catastrophe, joined as always by my co-host, Adam, CS Radical. And this week, we're going to be talking about Super Nintendo's 30th anniversary this year. We're going to be talking about uh, Call of Duty Vanguard and the details that were released this week, kind of trailing off of our topic from last week. We're going to have a bunch of random stories we're going to get into as well, and I am going to be coming to you with an untimely review of Watch Dogs Legion. All that and more in this week's episode, so let's just jump into it. If you're new to the podcast, we post videos and audio every Wednesday, so you can check us out on YouTube at Pixel Play Podcast, or search for us as Pixel Play Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at Pixel Playcast. And if you want to email us questions, comments, you know, leave feedback, always feel free to do so at the email address pixelplaypodcast at gmail.com. With that out of the way, let's get this show rolling. Adam, how are you doing this week? I'm surprised you haven't melted it like a popsicle. I mean, it says it's 30 degrees Celsius in the room, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised too. Yeah, it's probably actually worked out in your favor that you are keeping the hair, hair quite short this time. You know what? Maybe I knew ahead of time that this was going to be a good idea. So if, I, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a seer in this. When when are you going to cave in and actually just buy like an air conditioner? Uh, not this year, I can tell you that much. It's kind of pointless <laughs> now, isn't it? Yeah, you're getting close to the end. Get them on sale while they're off season. That's true, I could. Yeah. But, well, the whole thing was, right, like, I didn't want to go through the trouble in the pandemic of trying to get, like, ceramic glass, like, or, sort of, like, plastic plexiglass or something cut out to get mm-hmm. that perfect thing in there. I'm like, I don't really don't want to go and see people to begin with. And now here we are in a pandemic. It's like, I don't want to talk to people already. You're giving me, like, even more reasons not to do it. Fine, I'll melt I, I, for one more year. I, w- I would say just do the, the typical, you know, thing that we always used to do, at least, like, my family did with those window air conditioners just use a piece of plywood but that's kind of a bit of a flex in 2021 so also apparently i'm not allowed to do that in my building because it makes the building look like shit because mm-hmm. having no air conditioning really helps with the aesthetic well i mean it looks cool I mean, in the room because of it the does blue look and the nice. light so maybe, maybe you know maybe we're just lying this entire time this whole <laughs> time sure. i'm actually more than comfortable but the reason we're saying it is that because my takes are so hot we got to give a logical reason for why they stay so hot and spicy exactly um i don't want to you know delay too much but quick update are you still dealing with uh, assassin's creed valhalla and how is that going oddly enough no but it's not because i've dropped it it's because i finally said you know what i should look at xbox game pass and just try a bunch of stuff yeah so i've downloaded like 15 games and i've started chipping away at stuff and i'm like oh this is good and i have i've looked back at my playstation and be like no nah, i'm still good with this <laughs> You know, let's let's talk about that a little bit later in the show. I'd like to hear like what your initial thoughts are. And, you know, we're both for like, I'm I'm unapologetically a Sony fanboy and you are. I'm just an anti Nintendo fanboy. Does that count? Yeah, you pretty much haven't accepted (laughs) yet that you're a Nintendo or that you're a PlayStation fanboy. But like, I feel the two of us, you were the one that's probably the least. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on the Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, I I don't defend games, uh, you know, horrible games like Uncharted and The Last of Us, you know? You know, it's <laughs> when your blood cells are just triangles, crosses, circles, and squares, you have to. So, uh, Adam, let's start with probably, I mean, it was a slow week, but let's probably talk about the most interesting uh, thing. The SNES turns 30 this year. So, it actually turned 30 yesterday, August 23rd, 1991. And I know some of you are like, 
But Kaylin in Japan, no, North America, it's the 30th birthday. We're going with that. We live in North America, so we're going to go with that route. Uh, if you live elsewhere and it's a different year, I don't care. We're, we're based in North America. So for us, it was August 23rd, 1991. It released. Adam, was this your first console or did you play the NES before this? The first console I ever owned was a Genesis, actually. So oh. I started with that. Then the Super Nintendo came in later and... It ended up being Nintendo for a while because it was Super Nintendo. We still had the Sega, but I basically turned on whenever I wanted to play Sonic. That was about it. Yeah. And then I went in 64, and then I've been basically like, I have not had a Nintendo con. Actually, that's a lie. I had the Wii, so. Yeah. But it's been mostly a steady diet of Sony and then Microsoft and then Sony, and now it's stuck to Sony for a while. I mean, technically, I guess, kind of Game Pass, I'm still sort of playing Microsoft, so maybe there's that. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, my childhood was mostly my my Super Nintendo for damn sure. So yeah, I, and, and I that remember. also reminds me of how freaking old I am. That it's been we thirty years. We are old, sir. Got bad news for you. Um, yeah, it's the same for me at my house. I mean, we had an NES. I remember being a kid and having an NES. I mean, we had neither of these consoles at launch. Um, I wasn't to the point of a gamer that I am now, so it wasn't like mom, dad, we have to have like the newest console. I didn't even know what was going on, but. Somehow, some way, a SNES and an NES came into our house. And so, but I remember playing some of the games on NES and I liked them. I, but it was really when the SNES came out that I was like, okay, like I really understand video games and these are awesome. So, um, yeah, let me come up with uh, some quick like details that were kind of impressive for me because I was just looking into this. So, the SNES was launched in North America in August 23rd, 1981. When do you think the SNES was discontinued, Adam? Sorry, what did you hear? Would you say it was ninety one? What it was released in North America, released in Japan, I think, in nineteen ninety. But North America, nineteen ninety one. When was it discontinued? Probably ninety nine. Two thousand three is when it got discontinued. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you guess how many consoles it sold? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right. I can't 49... even give you like a. I can't even give you like a prices right like somewhere close answer. Fair enough. Uh, so the number of SNESs sold was 49 million, or just a little bit more than 49 million. Uh, and the number of SNES games sold. By the way, do you call it SS SNES or do you call it the SNES? Oh, I call it SNES. Oh, yeah. Actually, I don't okay, even really perfect. say either. I just call it the Super Nintendo. It also is the Super Nintendo. I never understood the people who called it the SNES. It makes no sense to me. Oh, it's, uh, worse. So it's worse when they call it NES. Oh god, it's a Nintendo. The the first Nintendo was just called a Nintendo. What are you talking about? I thought I thought the SNES. Well, I thought that was a Nintendo, and then after that there was another Nintendo, and then they were, and then Sony came out with something that was a Nintendo, right? Yeah. Every grandmother, that's what they thought. Yeah, I'm still playing on the Nintendo. <laughs> are you still playing that Nintendo? Yep. <laughs> are you uh, winning, son? Yeah, exactly. Um, number of games sold on the console, uh, just a little bit north of 379 million games. Can you guess what the number one game sold was? I feel like it's one of two, so I'm going to go with Link to the Past. Uh, what was your second guess? It would have been um, Mario Mario World. Super Mario World was the number one game. Uh, that one had over 20 million units sold. Um, the next best game was not uh, Legend of Zelda, but rather Super Mario All-Stars with oh, 10 million copies sense. sold. Uh, followed then by Donkey Kong Country in third place with 9 million and then super mario kart uh with 8.5 million and street fighter 2 uh the world warrior in fifth with around 6.3 million units sold 
Um, yeah, so I'm surprised that Length of the Past is not higher up, but yeah. So I thought it might be fun for us to kind of talk a little bit about what um, what are like what our top ten games were based on our childhood what we played obviously this isn't going to be a full list of every single game and these are just gonna be the ones that we played and we were both relatively young when that console came out so it's not like we had full control and like smart enough to know all the games that we could play but i thought we could talk about some of our favorites there so we'll do a top 10 and we're gonna throw in a category for you know one obscure game that you know we like that maybe doesn't get talked about or that maybe people don't know about so adam um i've been talking a while so why don't you go first what is your number 10 game on the SNES. So I just want to say, before anybody listens to this list and goes, what the hell is wrong with Adam? I never played Link to the Past growing up. So I'm only counting games that I played on the console. Because if I say emulation, it's kind of cheating. So I'm now, going back to are my you counting, childhood. If you're playing on the SNES Mini, is that cheating or is that count as playing it on the SNES? Well, I don't own it, so no. Oh. <laughs> Throwing you a bone here, sir. All right, so number 10, what do you got? Number 10, it's kind of a cheat too, but Super Mario All-Stars just because I never got to play the original uh, NES games. So that was okay. that was a big plus for me. I mean, being able just to... You, it, you can't really hate anything about that because it's basically like a, sh- a ton of really good games. It was like the orange box before, like long before the orange box. So Yep. And I mean, sure, uh, Super Mario 2 was not actually Super Mario 2, the Lost Levels was, and I don't talk about how good I was at that game because I wasn't. <laughs> Nobody was. But I mean, just just for one and two, and I guess or one, two, and three, like three obviously is the best out of all of them. One's the classic, and two is just that weird bastard child that like you love anyway, even though you know there's something really wrong about it. <laughs> yeah. But it gave birth to Shy Guys and Birdo. How can you be upset? Yeah, Shy Guy is like one of my favorite characters in, in the Nintendo world. It's such a cool like image uh yeah for me i love this game it didn't show up on my list but i remember going over to my cousins uh and they had the snes with like i had one as well but they had the super mario all-stars and i always remember going over and wanting to play like that weird nintendo that weird mario game that wasn't like a mario game and it's like why does this feel so different but it's awesome i never even realized the other two games that were on that on that cartridge it was always just mario 2 for me uh, number 10 for me is uh, Kirby Dream Course. Uh, this is one I don't think held up as well as I remember it being. But uh, did you ever play Kirby Dream Course? Uh, I don't even think I played any Kirby games on, on that console. Okay. I've, I've really so, not played a lot of Kirby games. Like I think the most I've ever played was I played maybe Superstar and Emulator and then Epic Yarn a little bit. Uh, Kirby is just yeah. one of those games that's always eluded me. So Kirby Dream Course is not like your typical Kirby game. This is one where you're basically it's like a golf game and you're playing as Kirby and doing golfing challenges, but you can get like different power ups and different bonuses and stuff. Uh, This is one that we never owned um, at my house, but one of our babysitters had it. And yeah, you sort of target where you want it to go. And your goal is to try and get into, you know, a hole in one. And there was different power ups. You can have spikes, you could have you know suck up other powers and stuff so really fun game uh i don't i I played it again uh when the super nintendo mini came out and it did not hold up that well again but i liked it at the time and it's definitely a unique and interesting game to try out 
All right. What about you, sir? Number nine. Uh, number nine, a little bit off the wall. I mean, in, but in terms of JRPG fans, they probably know this pretty well. Probably more often for the Game Boy Advance than the Super Nintendo, but I went with, uh, with Breath of Fire, the original one. Okay. So that one I played a tiny bit of, you know, through like rentals and stuff. A lot of the games I ended up playing was usually through rentals too. And most <laughs> of them you never finish because usually back then rentals were three days. And, uh, you can't really beat a JRPG in a week usually, so good no. luck with three days. So that this specific one, it's more like the art design, the kind of like dragons and like mystical like angels and stuff. Like Final Fantasy is still going to be the king for me, but like Breath of Fire was also a little bit different too in that it was very much, it felt had like a sort of mystical Dungeons and Dragons sort of feel to it, which I thought was a little bit different than most games that I played at that time. Mm-hmm. And also like, those games do actually a, a lot better job of being not that like boring in terms of you know grinding and stuff like it's usually relatively fair and the animation for the spells end up kind of popping a lot better than say like final fantasy games do where it's always the same thing at the side where you just see the shake shake and then spell where this one feels a little more like you're actually like casting stuff and obviously if anybody's watching the video feed there are these semi cut scenes i guess to the game that kind of like make it feel a, a bit bigger than what most Final Fantasy games were at the time. Yeah, I just, I I never played this game, but I just love this aesthetic of, like, the Super Nintendo. The, like, you can see what they're going for. It still doesn't quite fit, but, like, it looks awesome. I love this sort of aesthetic in this Well, and one of the design. things that we talk about with the Super Nintendo forever, and, and probably will continue to, is that it's a timeless console. Like, most games, you could say, like, 90 to 95% of the games on the console they look like indie games now mm-hmm. because of the way it's designed. It just it just works. Yeah. Like, obviously, if you break out Star Fox, it's not quite going to look the same way. But, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you pop in any Mario game, any, like, Final Fantasy game, like, it all just looks like a game that could have been released yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my number nine is the is Mortal Kombat. So I... I was a Mortal Kombat kid. I didn't never played Street Fighter when that was on the SNES. Uh, it was just a fun game, and I probably was too young to play it. But I remember playing it with my, like, with my friends and stuff, and like people would come over. My dad would play it with me and just button mash. Like, I did not grow up with with uh, with, with a, a dad who played video games like for his own fun. He just played, you know, with me. And I remember, you know, playing that with him or uh, my buddy Aaron and stuff. So like, it was kind of fun doing that my go-to character for that was like scorpion and i remember just loving just like button like figuring out all the different combos and how to do you know cool things and so yeah that that was a game it's just really neat how they did like that motion like that almost looked real at the time just the way that they recorded the fighting styles and then just like learning the secrets of the levels and stuff it was it was an awesome game and it's one that i still like to play nowadays but did you use the blood code back then no, I did not use the blood code because I didn't know about that when I was a kid. I never even noticed it, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, I yeah. The, it, whenever I played it, I'd have the Genesis copy that I'd rent specifically because mm-hmm. I didn't know the blood code either. So, <laughs> so whenever yeah. we went to the store, if we wanted to rent Mortal Kombat, we made sure we got the Genesis version because that one you didn't have to do anything with. Exactly. Uh, what's your go-to fighter for Mortal Kombat? Like all time? Yeah, let's... Let's try and keep it in the original SNES, but if that doesn't fit for you. Oh, if it was the who, SNES, it's Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah. Even no, though but what, what fighter? Like, who's oh, your fighter, character? sorry. What, what character? Um, 
Probably Sub-Zero, just because, again, freezing people has always been cool. Nah, Scorpion's the best, with the little, like, come here! That's the best part. Yeah, I was And I guess we're destined to fight each other. Apparently. Still haven't seen the Mortal Kombat. Wait, wait, shit. Am I the one that dies, or am I the brother? Oh, I didn't think about this part. (laughs) All right, what about you, sir? Number eight. Number eight. Uh, It's going to be a bit of a simple one, Super Mario Kart. Okay. I mean, what's, what's not to like about it? It's the it's the original. I mean, obviously it was done better way after that, but you know, mm-hmm. as as a game that came out back then, like you can't really ask for too much. Like that was pretty crazy back in the day to have something that that was that fun playing with friends, especially like you know, it was it was always one of those games that like you could if somebody had it at their house, you knew that was all we were playing for like the entire day. So oh yeah, yeah, it was the best. Um, except like I hated Rainbow Road. Where do you fall on Rainbow Road? I am like the one person that loves to pick Rainbow Road. A, because I'm pretty good at Mario Kart, and B, because I like watching everybody panic. (laughs) I hated Rainbow Road as a kid. I like the the haunted one, the one that we're watching right now. That was one of the ghost house. Yeah, the ghost house. That was a good one. Uh, Mario Kart is number eight for me as well. So I I don't need to chat too much more on this. You know, it's the game that launched the franchise, and it was awesome. Who's the best driver, though? I always liked Yoshi. I've kind of always been like that too. Although now if I play on like the newer games, I'll usually use like someone like uh, Rosaline or whatever, whoever has like the highest speed because more, my focus is usually just be as fast as possible. And I might, I can drive better enough that I don't need to have like really good handling on my cars because I can handle it. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like they tried doing that. And I don't know if it was ever really done that way, but I don't, like you could tell that not all the characters were leveled the same. And so like if you pick Bowser, you were screwed. Yeah, unless you're really good. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, this is a good one, too, with the Magma Cup or the Magma yeah. Bowser's Castle. Uh, number seven for me, then. I will move up to uh, to a classic, although most people probably would have played it in um, in arcades and stuff, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. That That's, yeah. that's like... If you another game, if you want to talk about playing at parties, that's the one that you play when all you guys want to do is is do co-op. If you don't want to hate each other by the end of the round, that's what that's the game you play. Usually you play Mario Kart if you want to yell at each other by the end of the day. But if you want to actually do stuff together, this would always be the game you do that too. Oh, this game is so good. Yeah, and, I absolutely and the fact love it. that like, it's been revived like so many times tells you how good this game still is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just all the different levels. Like the level design is so good. Um, the combat is awesome. Like, just all the bonuses that you can do and stuff. Like, it was so well, good just, to play. Just the one level specifically where you had to throw guys at the T, like, throw it towards the TV right. to actually damage. Like, it was such a cool concept back then. Because, like, it was unheard yeah. of. Like, most beat-em-ups is just slap, 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 slap. Whereas this one was like, all right, weaken them enough and then just launch them face first into the into your own freaking monitor. Yeah, and it they came so at cool. you, which was the best. So good. Yeah, I remember playing that and that like doing that. And I'm like, oh, we beat the game. And then you get sucked into like the the time machine. It's just this is awesome. And you're yeah. like, oh, like, I was we're not playing even that remotely close to being done. Oh, no. Damn. Yeah, I remember I distinctly remember playing the level where you fight the dinosaur. That was like really cool. Yeah, same yeah. with the uh, the one on the train. The Wild West one. Yeah, the pirate ship. Yeah, the pirate ship. That's such a good game. Uh, who was your favorite uh, Ninja Turtle to play us? It's always Donatello. I like the range. Right. I I always thought that like that was I always thought that was like the unpopular choice, but no, I loved playing as the Don same Tello. even goes for like the off the board um fighting game uh, tournament fighters. I always used him too then. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, we're on number seven. My number seven is uh, F-Zero. So sticking with the whole racing thing, F-Zero was just an awesome game. No game I don't feel has ever captured the speed that you feel when you're playing F-Zero. So you're in this futuristic city, you know, racing these hovering cars, and you are just going fast. And it's just so much fun, like doing the pivots where you kind of ride on uh, on the edge of your cart. Like, it's awesome. Um, I remember always playing this with my sister, and she sucked at it, and I always just used to hug, like, the, the bumpers and just blow up and then got all sad. So it's such a fun game to play. And like I said, you feel like you're going really fast like i know we're watching the video here and it doesn't quite capture but when you're actually playing it you feel like you're going fast well if you play the gamecube version oh you'll you'll know the speed because that game that game yeah. doesn't hide the fact that it's fast yeah no i love this game it's one that i I'm surprised that nintendo kind of dropped it and stopped really supporting it like it's such a good game i guess because their thought process was probably where well, we already have a racing game that's taking the market so why make two mm-hmm yeah but i always felt like mario kart was the fun party racing game and f-zero was a little bit more skill-based or it wasn't like as much just like hey it's fun to pick up like you would not pick this up with friends just to like hey let's screw around and play f-zero like you were committed to playing f-zero well it also like and again like i don't know what the sales figures were for that but it also could be that it just wasn't selling well i don't know how um i think the last one that would have been out would have been um gx for the gamecube and yeah i mean i assume it probably didn't do very well so that's probably why we haven't seen one since all the way back then if there was another one i can't remember but i don't think there other part from like re-releases mm-hmm. i don't think there's been more yeah um number six for you sir uh it may feel weird to be this this far down the list if i'm a bit of a jrpg guy but it's also because i've never properly finished it i've always like played it in pieces but chrono trigger is at number six for me even though i'm sure a lot of people will be like it's not even in your top five and you're the JRPG guy. Yes, I know. I know. There's going to come a day where I finally actually play it in full and maybe I'll say a lot better things about it. But as it stands right now, it's just one of those games where it's like, I know how amazing it is. And every time I do play it, it's a lot of fun. It's just for some reason, there's just that time where it's something else gets me away from it. And then I like, I'm like two thirds of the way through and I'm like, this game is awesome. I love this. I should finally finish this. And then something else happens and it goes, Nah, just kidding, bro. Nah, you're not going to finish this game. You want to see the shiny new thing from, like, the present day? I hate you. Yes, I do, though. <laughs> but apart from that, like, any, any like, hardcore JRPG fan will tell you guys, like, this is possibly the best one that's ever been made. I mean, obviously, it's it's lower on my list, but it's a game that, for a lot of people, is still the best and the thing you look at, and it's also why we consistently curse Square for never releasing one since the original PlayStation, because apparently Square doesn't like money, unless it's Final Fantasy VII related, then in which case they'll take as much money out of us as they want. But like, mm-hmm. again, look at the, like the art style fits so well. You got the bit of, the, of Akira Toriyama into that, so the Dragon Ball guy. The story is tremendous. It uses time travel really well. The soundtrack is fantastic. It's got a really inventive battle system that even today would be considered like ahead of its time and, and how it goes about its system. So, yeah, I, I wish I could say it's my number one, but just for the reason that I've never finished it, it's, it's only going to hit a six, unfortunately. Fair enough. Uh, number six for me, we kind of talked about it already, uh, Turtles in Time. Uh, it's an awesome game. It's so much fun. And I was a huge Turtle Ninja Turtles fan as a kid, so um, 
yeah, it just hit the right buttons and it was it looked it looked impressive at the time too. Like it was a it was a fantastic game. We don't need to go more into it though. I mean we uh, can. I feel like we talked about it already, so <laughs> Oh, well that's just a damn shame. Totally f- Hey, I knew the risk when I went second, so don't worry. That is true. Uh number five for me, first Final Fantasy on the list. That's where we break up Final Fantasy Four. Um I remember renting this is the first time i rented a final fantasy game and of course it was final fantasy 2 back in the day so my brain was like oh man i remember there being like one on the nes i never played that one i wonder how this one is without realizing there were two before it and then one after it but there was a three and square's complicated god damn (laughs) it's stupid square and naming things especially when it comes to going between japan and, and and anywhere else in the world is just a nightmare um i still remember renting this game and literally because i had no idea where a save point was in a dungeon that i just started i would leave the console on all night so that i could jump right back in as soon as i woke up so that way i wouldn't lose my spot because i'd probably gone for like an extra 30 minutes without a checkpoint and i was just desperate to to not lose that progress because i couldn't beat the goddamn wall that kept closing in on me because back then I didn't know what grinding meant. I thought it was just, I just go through the thing and then I should be good by the time I go fight the boss. And then I realize when I get there, oh, I probably should have done like maybe 10 to 15 more fights first. <laughs> but that yeah. one, although like I'll get, to, I'll get to six in a little bit, this one still has a special place in my heart because it's the first one I ever played. And, it's, and it definitely has some characters that I still to this day are very fond of like Kane and Rydia who in the current cutscene that's playing right now on the video feed is is about to be introduced so th- there's definitely a bit of along with six these are the two games that like I would love to see get a proper like remake like full-on 3d voice acting keep the original battle system and all its quirks but like giving this thing a full flesh on remake and I would even love it to see to keep like still an animated feel i don't think i'd like four to go into the final fantasy 7 remake thing i'd actually like it to be more of like what dragon quest does i like it to be more of like a cartoony anime sort of feel six i think you could do in 3d because of all the machinery but i love this one because it's so colorful i'd love to see that one like more of a cartoony feel to it kind of like what dragon Mm -hmm. quest 11 did nice yeah i never played this one yeah you uncultured japanese non-japanese swine (laughs) go go back to your batman games yeah man batman's sick (laughs) (laughs) uh number five for me uh um is gonna be donkey kong donkey kong country uh this game was so much fun to play uh and at the time like the graphics i remember seeing these graphics and i'm like oh my god these look so good like it looks like that was the best graphics i had seen when when donkey kong came out and to play that game and you know do the different levels like whether you're in the mines whether you're underwater like the hub world not so great but when you actually got into it and you started playing like the uh the levels like they look so good and like the fluid animations are just so good like it's such a great game to play um i'm currently um doing a campaign on this game with my brother-in-law when we get together and it's just been so much fun just to find all the secrets and just a fantastic game. That was the thing. The amount of secrets in, in Donkey Kong Country games in general were just like... Mm-hmm. I sat there, like, sometimes I'd find them by accident being like, how was I supposed to think, like, literally in, in the video footage that we had, there's literally one where you're supposed to just fall. 
mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm supposed to not fall. Why why do I have to do it now? Yeah, I just random like, am I supposed to jump in down this pit? You just jump you down just, this pit. You just start getting enough lives that you start just playing with ideas. Yeah. No, and like even like these little levels where you're like playing with playing as the animals and like trying to collect all those items. Like that was such a fun thing to do. So fantastic game number five for me. Now, ironically enough, Donkey Kong Country is my number four. However, it's not the original. It is the sequel. Number two. Oh, okay. I really, really love the second game. I don't know. So full disclosure. Uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt right here. Full disclosure. Donkey Kong. I, I put these back to back. Donkey Kong Country 2 is my number four. Oh, okay. Okay. So, 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 we we're, just... so we're going to go a little bit nuts on this one together. Yeah. Yeah, I actually love this way more than than any of the other ones. I think just because I found that uh, Diddy and Dixie were that perfect mesh of two different mm-hmm. styles. Like you had Diddy, which was just like speed and just rolling, whereas you had the more like platform perfect, like the precision that you have with Dixie with the uh, with the float like, or mm-hmm. the hair helicopter ability. Mm-hmm. So there's there a lot more to it. Not and not to mention like the throws being a little more useful and. Some of the animals that were a lot more different, like the spider being a big one, like just yeah. such a bigger change of pace than just running through all the time. Like there was actually a sort of, a sort of extra amount of precision to it that wasn't just, you know, the odd minecart level. Mm-hmm. So I, I really had a much bigger appreciation for it. Also, it has random trivia in there, and I am an absolute nut for trivia no matter where it is. So, yeah. Um, For me, like I the reason I put this one above is I feel like it took what Donkey Kong country did and made it better. Like I felt the dynamic between, you know, at, at like Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong was okay. But like you felt really handicapped. Like you noticed there was like one was better than the other. Like Diddy Kong kind of was useless in that first one. Whereas I felt in the second one, both of those characters brought something to the table and were like, like you didn't feel kind of handicapped playing one versus the other or something like that. And so I really liked that. Plus the darker, uh, like I felt there was like a, a little bit of a darker sort of style to the game, which I really liked. Um, it just, it took what did it, like Donkey Kong Country did and just improved it. And so I think it is the better of the two games, but I think that Donkey Kong Country 1 deserves some respect for what it did in terms of bringing the franchise and the technology. Like this definitely built on what the first game did, but the level design is better. Um, more interesting, unique levels there. Like we're seeing here, the one where you have to hit the seals to make it like change, um, like water floating. It's, yeah, it's and not lava. Like. It's now actual water. Yeah, so it's like really cool. Like I really like what they did with this one. So yeah, I think Donkey Kong Country Two is the better of the two. And I mean, you can't hate a game when like literally a victory animation is Dixie on an electric guitar shredding some licks. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, number three for me that would be when we finally get to like the games that everybody really knows in Super Mario World would be would Mm -hmm. be that one for me interesting okay now well it's a JRPG thing like I'm I'm clearly going to be saving saving my best for for later but like Super Mario World to me is probably my favorite Mario game still to this day I think Mm -hmm. they did the best job of being just different enough that it felt like obviously with the cape and well i th- i th- were you able to ride yoshi before or was this the first game where you could actually like ride yoshi because i know yoshi I th- oh yeah i think it was the first game. yeah it's the first one you could ride yoshi so like there's there's enough there to be different and then you mix in things like the ghost houses and you have like the the koopa bosses so it i, f- I found that like and i guess the star road too is a big part of it but there's a lot about that game that 
you know, every time I play it again, and it is very much a nostalgia thing. Like it, it, it really does feel like like familiarity and home. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I, I really don't think there's a smoother game in the series. I think that's probably like one of the best running ones you're going to get. And on top of that, like the amount of options that you have, because I mean, it's it isn't just you got to finish a level in a certain way. Like the the fact that there are guys that can speed run this game without even using a mushroom is is insane. Yeah, to give to show you like the possibilities of what you can do with this game, and again the cape yeah. like we just see in the video version here, it just shows you how easy it is to just completely like mess with the levels and not have to do anything. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, my number three is Metroid. Uh, Metroid was such a a neat game. Uh, admittedly, this is one I didn't play a lot as a kid, but when the SS, SNES Classic came out. This was one that I played, and I really liked it. It's kind of a neat game with the mechanics and the puzzles and, and figuring everything out. I'm gonna be honest. I did find it like I find it a little complicated and a little confusing at times, and like it's definitely one that you have to play with a guide. And I started without playing a guide, and then I did, and I'm like, I'm so lost. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, the story, once again, is also kind of like it's it's fine, but I feel like it's more the gameplay that everyone's playing for. And so, yeah, I really like this game. It's really neat what it did. And um, like I said, the level design is really good, but it's just it's it's for me, it's one of those. It's needlessly sort of convoluted in terms of like the mapping system. I, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, in terms of how to do it and where to go and stuff. It, it 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 shows its age a little bit, in my opinion, but it's not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel that there are games in this genre that have iterated and done better. And but I think at the time, it, it, it's a good game for you know the genre that it started or, or helped contribute to start so geez talking yeah. so positively about your number three eh <laughs> it's it's one of those i respect <laughs> what it did and, and and everything like it's a fantastic game i love the aesthetic i love the like i love the um the narrative and like the lore that it builds and stuff so it's it's a really awesome game and i know how important it is in terms of overall gaming culture and that's why it's so high high for me in my number three so here's a scary thing for people. I've never played Super Metroid still to this day. It's it, honestly it's worth trying, but like it gets for me at least it got pretty complicated in terms and confusing in terms of where I had to go, what I had to do and stuff. So like I actually I, think it's one of those... I actually just realized that I'm like I I have had an emulator forever like since like high school and I've never even tried it. I'm like that's kind of crazy to think about. Like it's the game that like everybody says is like so good and I've never touched it. Mhm yeah i would recommend trying like definitely try it uh i definitely think it's one that you, you know you'll have a better experience with it if you have a guide yeah well good thing we're so. we're at a point now where you know you actually have pretty good internet it's not dial up so you don't have to like print off 15 sheets to figure out how to do the goddamn forest temple or the water temple in ocarina of time exactly uh anyway number, number two, two. That's this is where we get into the I'm just going to talk about like the best JRPGs on the console now. Uh, Super Mario RPG is number two. That that yeah, game is still I, I I still can't believe to this day that we still don't have another one of them because it's so good. But it's the fact that obviously yeah. they're getting Square and, and and Nintendo on the same page again. But like. Man, I know they tried their best with, like, the Paper Mario games or the Superstar Saga games, but, like, nothing has remotely come close to capturing what this game did. And, my God, like, I, I, there is, 
if somebody ever speed runs it at SGDQ or AGDQ, whichever one of the games done quicks uh, speed runs, I always make sure I catch it because it is so fascinating to watch people do super jumps for a hundred times in a row. Because it's just this, impossible. Yeah, this is one I remember seeing a little bit. I played a little bit, but I never really got into it and know it enough. But yeah, like it's neat. It's neat what they did with the property. Yeah, and I mean, again, like it did something completely different than most games would. Like that's where you had the timed hits. You actually you were playing a game, but you still had to be focused while playing. It isn't just hit fight and watch it happen. You actually had to be timing it so you get the most damage out of everything, or you defend for the most damage. So. Yeah. It was also very involved. And then again, it was just that weird, like, it was that weirdness of a Mario game being something so completely different. It's like, I don't think Mario is Missing is a great game, but because it was so different for what you expect a Mario game to be, it was the same with Mario Kart. You know, it's the same once you got into the N64 days where you get into golf and tennis. Like, just playing a Mario game where it's not a Mario game, it was so weird and interesting growing up. And especially this one, me being like, this is just as my JRPG phase was like hitting. So like everything was clicking around this point. And and the amount of quirkiness with the aesthetic of this game and the music and everything else, like it's so good. And I urge anybody, because I'm assuming you can probably play it through the Switch or, or whatever somehow, like get, give it a try. Because like I said, most of these games are going to play like indie games would today. It's not going to feel like it's outdated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my number two is Super Mario World. So um this is one that i played a lot of as a kid and i still play to this day it's so it's like the levels are so well designed and yeah what they did was just they took mario and they just brought it to the next level and kind of revitalized it not that it necessarily needed it but it was it would have been so easy for them to just say hey it's gonna be the same mario that you guys know before but it does a lot of neat things and you know the levels are so well designed and the gameplay is so smooth it's such a fantastic game um a lot of the neat things that they came through with like the cape and everything yoshi it's all really cool and i really like that game and and there's a reason why it's the number one selling game for for that console absolutely all right number one number one well i did mention another final fantasy game was coming at some point so i i, I guess i can't delay it forever so final fantasy 6 to this day i still think is the best game ever made it may not be my favorite game ever but it is definitely to me the most perfect game that I have ever come to know of existing, I've ever played. You know, everything is done right. The story mm-hmm. is magnificent. The villain is magnificent. The aesthetic to this day, it's it's almost 30 years old, and it looks amazing. The music is quite possibly the best soundtrack I've ever seen in a game. The combat system, very good. The only complaint that most people make about it, and I kind of agree with, is that by the end of the game, most of the quirks to your characters, they kind of become obsolete because by the end of the game, you can teach them all the most powerful magic spells so you don't need to ever use their abilities. But I mean, it's an end game thing. Like that's just from grinding over and over again. So that's most JRPGs, you kind of dumb down the combat if you're max level and you've learned everything. So it kind of does take that away. But like the other 75, 80% of the game that you're playing normally, it's so inventive. Like being able to do things like Use a freaking chainsaw on enemies or take the muscle head guy and suplex a freaking train. You know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, there's like an there's a, there's an infamous enemy called the Phantom Train. Normally, you just beat it by throwing a phoenix down at it because it's <clears throat> undead. So giving it a life 
kills it. But everybody knows that if you want to play it properly, you make the guy use his suplex ability, <laughs> and he literally picks up this giant train, and you see the train go up and upside down. That's and hilarious. It's the best thing, actually. You know what? Just, oh my god, just, this is. You gonna pull it up on the screen? Yeah, absolutely. I need to pull it up on the screen. Give me one sec. And I like. I'm sorry. I, you, if you guys aren't watching this on YouTube, you should be doing this because you missed some fun stuff. This is yeah. If you guys are listening to it on audio, this is one episode that might be worth watching just because we are kind of watching some of these old clips. You get to watch a guy play. suplex a train. So like, look, they're, they're running run, away they're, from the train. Like normally, you stand there, but you're getting chased by the train. You got to stop. Yeah. Now we're gonna solve the problem. Oh, I guess he's gonna do a little bit of a an evil spell to to toot some ghosts at you. Oh, now you're angry. Too bad. That's what trains do. Suplex in that bitch. Bam. <laughs> and That's he's dead. Awesome. That's he suplexed awesome. him to the double afterlife. <laughs> killed killed the undead. Fantastic. With but the yeah, that, that game, like I, I wish I could go back and play it every single day because it never gets old. You know, I can watch speed runs of it and it feels like i just played it yesterday i can watch somebody make a video you know talking about everything that was great about it and it feels like i just played it yesterday like i still remember everything like it never it's like i'm still like a 12 year old kid playing the game so yeah that that game is just everything is done right about it and it also makes me hate for the most part up until the 7 remake how square has been botching final fantasy for like 20 years (laughs) awesome uh i'm gonna save us from having a bunch of people just yell at us and be like why the hell is this uh not on the list i'm gonna go with uh, legend of zelda a link to the past this game is definition perfection um i am not a huge zelda fan i i've not played all the games i'm not like i am not the biggest zelda fan but i will attest that a link to the past is a perfect game and probably the best zelda game um aesthetic is perfect like it looks so good like the way that they did the art design like it looks great i mean they brought it back like not too long ago with the link between worlds so yeah um so like the the design is good the dungeons design is is immaculate like it's all the dungeons are so clever so fun like i don't feel like there's any particular one that's like complete bs um so like they're fun to traverse and figure out those puzzles the map is absolutely amazing. Like in terms of how it's designed, like this, the different sections, it's easy to navigate. It's not a pain in the ass to get from one end to the other. Like it's, it's so well designed. The story is really good. Um, yeah, this is to me, it's not necessarily my favorite game. Uh, that's ever, that I've ever played, but this is one of like the perfect games that I feel like everyone should play. It's not incredibly complicated that it's inaccessible. It can be, beaten in a really relatively you know short time so like it's a fantastic game and i i absolutely love it i i played it as a kid um and then when the snes classic came out i played it again there and i just reminded myself like how fantastic this game is so yeah uh a link to the past is is my number one for the snes games i mean it's not a wrong answer no and, and you've never played this well i have played it i just i didn't want to count it because i've only played on emulator Hmm. I, I was okay. trying to keep my list to like actually when I was playing it as a kid, so I try I try to sort of do it that way. Okay. Well, I, I, although I do wonder, if looking at my list again, would have I put it above anything? Mm, maybe. It, it's for for me like I've never been too like I don't hate Zelda games. I've never been too big on any of them. Like I don't look at Zelda the way that people look at 
you know, as like the, the one of the biggest franchises out there. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying for me, it's not that game that's always like turned the needle for me. Every mm-hmm. time I see a Zelda trailer, I don't immediately think, oh my God, oh my God. I'm more just like, hey, that's cool. I'm sure a lot of people are going to enjoy the hell out of that. Yeah. And I'm like that too, but this is the one exception to that game. Like I, I, I really like the Zelda games. I like, I like, I like uh, a link to the past. Yeah, for and sure. then I played Link's Awakening um, when they made that remake for the Switch, and that was good. Uh, it follows a, follows a lot of the same things as A Link to the Past, but I feel like A Link to the Past is still better. So, uh, now Adam, we did have a challenge of you know what is our not necessarily one of our top ten, but what is one of our more obscure games that we really liked as a kid? What did you get? Uh, I have to cheat because I have to come up with three because they're all hidden gems. With that's the not the, that, that, that was not the instructions does not follow instructions that's too bad all right let's hear them so i'm gonna throw three games from series that you all know of one of them you don't you probably haven't played a lot of games on but it's a series you all know but i'm gonna start out with probably the most random title that i think most people have forgotten existed uh there is a mega man soccer game what oh so i've already got you not knowing one <laughs> Mega Man Soccer. What? Where you play soccer and slowly unlock enemies as your teammates that have these special little abilities. Or, like, say one guy's really good at attacking, one guy's really fast, and then, like I said, there are things like special abilities and stuff. I'm not saying it's an amazing game, but it is It is a game that the first time you look at it, you're just like... This is, this is like a fake... Like, somebody made this... No, the Capcom made that. And just most people forgot that it existed. It's funny. It feels like there's almost like a delay just watching this game being played. Yeah, there kind of is. The game's a little yeah. bit weird. You, you can tell that Capcom was like, uh, let's just take like this code that we used for another soccer game that nobody cared about, and let's just throw these sprites on it. Yeah. It's All not right, what else bad, you got? but it's a sports game on the Super Nintendo, so uh, don't assume it's going to be, you know, some like really smooth, you know, buttery smooth kind of game. I have never seen or heard of this game. Nope. And you may never remember it again because you'll probably not want to think about it after that. All right, what else do you got? Let's hear it. So Final Fantasy, going back to that, everybody knows and loves Final Fantasy. A lot of people don't know about what is considered blasphemy to Final Fantasy, but I actually liked. It's called Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Okay. And this game was essentially... You know, in the same vein that we didn't get Super Mario Brothers 2, the actual one, because the Japanese thought we were too stupid to do it. Mm-hmm. Turns out they were right. It's fucking hard. Um, they thought Final Fantasy was too complicated for English people. So they made this game, which is the most simplified JRPG you'll ever play to the point that you don't have to grind. It's so goddamn easy. But there are two things the game does really well. The sprites actually show battle damage. So if like you're facing a boss, there's usually like three or four different sprites for it so you know how close you are to finishing it off, which is really cool. Mm. And then the music is just badass. It's I, I will dare say that Final Fantasy Mystic Quest has the best battle theme in all of Final Fantasy. Fight me on that one. This almost like looks like just like you're playing in the desert and this is Dune. It looks like they just put like ripped off Dune. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? A little bit. All right, what was, what's the last one you have? Uh, the last one, although I'm a little bit worried because my uh, 
our, our recording feed, I'm pretty sure is still recording, but the video is not letting me change the, uh, change the screen. So we might be stuck on this for a little bit until it fixes that. Uh, there is a Sailor Moon RPG that never came out in English that okay. is that finally got a fan translation and you can play through like emulators and stuff it's called sailor moon another world and i'm really upset okay. that that our uh, our stream labs is now completely frozen even though it's still recording like i i want to stress to anybody watching the youtube version nothing is wrong on the screen everything is running smoothly but the app for some reason is not letting me change any of the channels right now which is <laughs> driving me crazy because i want to but um no sailor moon has an rpg it's called sailor moon another story and I, I can't really say too much about it because I've only played like maybe an hour or two of it. But I thought it was so interesting that like Sailor Moon was big when I was a kid. Oh, like, yeah. Really big when I was a kid. You know, every morning that I got up, I would catch the last 15 minutes of Sailor Moon. And then I would catch the last or sorry, the first 15 minutes of Pokemon before I get up and or before I go get the bus to go to school in the morning. So like for most of us, Sailor Moon was was even if you were a guy it was still Sailor something was that you, you still watch pretty awesomely. And yeah, Sailor Moon was awesome. I don't know if we ever really got any games in, in North America, and if we did, they certainly weren't any of the good ones. So, oh, I think the feed's finally working now. Perfect. Okay, so I can show, like, a little bit of it now before I go. So, yeah, and it also does a really good job of actually, like, being its own story and introducing, like, more than just the Sailor Scouts you used to. So if you ever played this game and you've only watched, like, the initial series... There's Sailor Scouts you never knew even knew existed. Like, I didn't know that there was a Sailor Uranus, a Saturn, a Neptune, or a Pluto. I'm like, who the hell are all these people? And then That's you just get to play them. And then you realize, oh, shit, they're so much more powerful than, than the ones I like. Oh, no. That's a, that's a bold move, making a, a Sailor Uranus. Yeah, I know. The, yeah, there's a Sailor Butt. We know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's sure one of the... I'll see if I can quickly get the battle system. Oh, there it is. Perfect. But, like, still very basic. There's nothing too special about it. But, again, like, it's just so jarring when you've never seen a Sailor Moon game proper and you're seeing something like that being like, man, I would have played the shit out of that growing up. There's also, like, a couple of fighting games that we never got. Like, there was a lot of interesting stuff that we could have gotten, but Japan was just like, ah, these kids don't get the anime that we do. They don't get our yeah. genius. I mean, we kind of didn't for a while, so I guess they have a point in that, but... Yeah. Those are those are three pretty obscure ones. Mystic Quest, I think most people know of. And actually, fun fact of a Mystic Quest, I almost forgot. That's the first Final Fantasy Europe ever got. Hmm. That was that was Europe's first Final Fantasy, which is crazy to think about it. I think the next one might have been seven. Yeah. Interesting. I never knew that, but I mean, Japan's weird. It? Yeah, I know they, they they march to the beat of their own drum. Yeah, they do. They have a, yeah. yeah, they really do. But I mean, it's awesome. I can't wait to visit it one day. Um, for me, my unknown favorite hit that didn't come up on the list uh, was Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Um, this was one that my sister and I had, and it was just so much fun. To just you're going around, basically, you you look like you're from the '80s, and just go around shooting zombies. And like the levels get weird. Like at one point, you have to like you basically go into this level and you have to rescue all the civilians, and you just run around and grab them. So there's like a dog, soldiers, like you know, guys barbecuing and stuff, cheerleaders. And it's just a lot of fun to kind of go through and explore all the different levels, save all the people. But like, where the, the get giant weird. baby? Yeah, there is a level with a big giant baby that you have to go rescue at the mall. Like, it's a fun, stupid game, but it is so much fun to play. Like, my sister and I would always play it together. Um, so 
it was a lot of fun to it's play. kind of one of those games that's like really fun but god damn does it stress you out as a kid like the chainsaw guys because they can actually oh cut my through. god the chainsaw guys they were can the worst. cut through they... the bushes so they actually can trap you yeah them and the and the werewolves always used to freak me out as well but like the chainsaw guys would chase you around and then spin around it was the thing of nightmares when you are like did you know that somebody game. made a a mod to actually make it more like doom what no Oh, I guess I'm showing two crazy things on the show. All right, let's see this. Let's see this. So somebody made Zombies Ate My Neighbors in the style of like a Doom game, and it looks phenomenal, and I would play the crap out of this. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to us audio today, totally respect that we love the fact that you guys listen to audio, but this is an episode to check out with the video because we are just watching right now, and it is 100%. Some guys walking around with a red uzi shooting yeah, it zombies looks, it looks like one person. of those arcade like ones that when you're playing like house of the dead yeah it looks it looks very much like a like a mixture of like duke nukem versus and wolfenstein so yeah really fun stuff to watch just just i just, i don't want to tell you what the big baby looks like in that mod oh imagine but yeah awesome so yeah 30 uh 30 years since the super nintendo was released really an awesome console it's it's to me like to me, it's the greatest console ever made, but I still look at the PS2 as the best one just because of the sheer volume of library that it has. But, like, the Super Nintendo is just that console that, like, you can put in a time capsule and open up in 50 years, and it's people are just not going to look at it like it's some old antiquated hardware. Depending on the games, like, there's a few. Like, Clay Fighters might be a little bit weird. Like, F, or not F-Zero. Um, Star Fox might be a little bit weird. But, mm-hmm. like, take any average run-of-the-mill game on that console... They're going to look at it and be like, yeah, this, this seems pretty basic. Like, this is this is like a game that we could see coming out. It's a timeless art. It's a timeless art style for the most part that like stuff like the super like the uh, N64 and stuff didn't really benefit from. And they also but played. Yeah. Be- they didn't play in 30 frames, so they actually feel fast too and responsive. Exactly. All right. Um, let's switch over to stuff that's a little bit more current. Uh, last week, we were kind of talking about call of duty vanguard it was going to have uh, an event to kind of talk a little bit more about what to expect in the game details have come out um adam so let's talk a little bit about the campaign we're going to talk about they talked a little bit about the multiplayer they talked a little bit about zombies you know what you're getting there there's nothing super new or revel like doesn't really change much to much from game to game uh it's really a campaign that kind of changes so let's talk a little bit about the campaign uh so this is coming from pc i think it's pc mag yeah it's coming from pc gamer uh so they wrote after months of rumors and speculation about just what's going on with call of duty this year call of duty vanguard has officially been confirmed as the next mainline game in the series vanguard takes place uh takes the series back for the seventh time to world war ii with a campaign that lead developer sledgehammer games hope will feel new to the series Sledgehammer, which hasn't led development on a COD game since 2017's Call of Duty World War II, is shaking things up by setting most of the campaign after the official end of, world, of the World War. Hitler's dead, the Nazis have lost, but the Allies learn of a troubling called, uh, plan called Project Phoenix so, to somehow facilitate Hitler's successor. What the heck does that even mean? Your guess is as good as mine. Vanguard's main villain is a fictional Heinrich Freisinger, inspired by the real Gestapo operative Heinrich Mueller. Um... They go on to say, Call of Duty is no stranger to campaigns about small special force teams deploying into hostile territories, but Vanguard's hook lies in this being a new concept at the end of World War II. To deal with this whole successor problem, the Allies deploy a squad of four specialists from four countries. Arthur Kingsley, Great Britain, Polina Petrov, Petrova, uh, the Soviet Union, also the woman that's been sniping Warzone winners out of helicopters, 
Wade Jackson, USA, and Lucas Riggs from Australia. Uh, so basically what it's going to be is they're going to be talking about sort of like the start of special forces and these guys kind of going in and working together to kind of stop this plan to set up Hitler's successor. Adam, what do you make of this campaign and this story? Do you think this is going to be enough to um, get you into it? Or are you excited about this potential story? I mean, I've, I've said it for a while now, maybe not on this show, but like Call of Duty is at that point where if it wants to get me to play its campaigns, it's got to charge me separate for them now because I can't be justified to spend $80 or I guess at best $40 to play a campaign and then not play the multiplayer because I'll be completely honest. I'm done with playing Call of Duty multiplayer. It's too toxic. You know, obviously I can play without being in chat, but it's not as fun as it used to be. And I think I'm also just, I don't like being frustrated nearly as much. So granted, playing those kind of games just aren't the best for me. It's it's not a nearly as chill. So it used to just be that I like playing the campaigns a lot. And since Call of Duty games never really go down in price, not not at least not as fast as you like them to, they got to do more to get me in and... Sure, it's really cool that the plot's going to be like a post-World War II, like, where like, you know, Hitler's heir is trying to get things going, you're trying to put a stop to that, but it's just a story, and it's going to be a four to six hour story that doesn't really do anything too, too crazy, and, you know, I said it last, either last week or the week before when we were talking about the reveal, I think it was last week, where, you know, I, w- I was hoping that it would be something different, I was hoping that it would be something cool, like, an online campaign like either obviously playing it with friends and whatever if it's like a four-person team or even like something akin to a destiny and i know they would never do it because call of duty knows better to just do the same things they always do and just add a different coat of paint on it and they're going to make their money so it's it's a case where i can look at the trailer and go that looks cool but for anything more than 30 dollars, you're not going to get my attention and i don't honestly don't think you ever will And then when you couple that with the fact that I could care less about anything that Activision Blizzard comes out to right now for obvious reasons, it's not going to do anything to move the needle for me. It obviously will for Call of Duty fans, because they like the World War II games. But I mean, I still looked at the trailer and went, I guarantee you that less than 25% of their audience even gave a shit because it's not showing the multiplayer. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you that I think Call of Duty and like even Battlefield to a certain extent are in a weird place where there's two different audiences. There are the people who are into the zombies and the multiplayer. And I think that's predominantly most of the players. And then there's a small section that likes the campaign. Um, I'm one of the people that I, I generally like the call of duty campaigns. It's very rare for me to pick up a call of duty campaign at launch. I usually typically wait for them to come down to like 20 bucks or something. And I find that that's sort of the sweet spot for a call of duty campaign. They're typically shorter, but I mean, they do put a lot of effort and they do have like a lot of like they're they're Some of them are really interesting stories. Like I really enjoyed. Um, I'm trying to remember the one Like there was like Infinity War where it was like in space. Like that was a really neat one. Like they do some interesting stuff with the campaigns. Um, oh, absolutely. But at the same like time- they're they're definitely without question the best FPS games on the market. Like I, that's why mm-hmm. I said like. I would love to see something like a Destiny with their gunplay because they do it so well and they know how to do set pieces so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I'm with you that I don't know, but I, I kind of wonder, like, the multiplayer probably pays for the campaign to oh, be for paid. Sure. If they were to say, like, hey, we're going to sell the campaigns by itself, it's not going to do particularly well. Um, and to do it in sections, like, I know Battlefield Five got reamed for the fact that it was, like, 
hey, you got like the story's not complete and we're going to set it up in pieces and you may have to pay for it. And that did not go well. But suppose so. the question like if you if you put out the full game for $80 and then you put out another copy at 30, which is just the campaign doesn't unlock multiplayer. Mm-hmm. You have to pay the other 50 bucks to get the multiplayer after that. Mm-hmm. They're going to get their core to buy the main game. My mm-hmm. brain would be like, you put the $30 campaign in there to make other players that wouldn't buy your game at full price actually put some money down. You know, that's not a bad idea to do that. Like, then that brings... Because that. I figure, like, you, most people are going to buy the, the the multiplayer anyway, and you'll get your money in microtransactions or whatever anyway. I know mm-hmm. that, I think right now, they don't usually do it, but there's there's still other ways they can go about it. I mean, obviously, they make their money with Warzone anyway. And, like, yeah, the season passes and everything, I think, those are charged for, right? But realistically, I think they are leaving money on the table by not making it available immediately. Because, like, again, if you're not looking to play the multiplayer, and there are, there's, like, I'd say, like, in terms of care about the multiplayer and care about the, the campaign, it's about 80, 85 to 15, 20. Yeah, best. it's not even Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 the games are meant to be the multiplayer. Like, it's, it's not, mm-hmm. the campaigns are just, like, the, the cherry on top that we get. Yeah. In terms of the story, what do you think of that story? Do you think this is a interesting way to go about doing it? Do you think they should be doing something else? I mean, it's taking a World War II game and doing something different with it, so I'm happy. You know, it's yeah. you know, obviously like you could just make another modern warfare game where you can just do whatever the hell you want, but I like the fact that they're taking the World War and doing something different with it. I mean, I'm a big fan of Man in the High Castle, so I'll take any of this kind of stuff. Like, that's my yeah. jam. I I love alternate history. Like, yeah, I think this is the smartest way for them to go. If they're going to stick with World War II, like we've all kind of seen World War yeah, II. Yeah, it doesn't like, feel all, like the same thing. We've anymore, all right? stormed Normandy. We've all fought in Stalingrad. Like those are cool set pieces and those are cool battles and stuff in terms of like historical significance. But they're played out. And unless you're going to start picking some of like some more obscure, unheard of battles, which there are tons in history that like could be interesting. Um I think the I think the next way to go is to do an alternate history and to do something like this is really interesting if it's grounded in some sort of, you know, some nugget of truth and then you just build a story around that. Like those are awesome. Yeah, because we're not talking like a Wolfenstein level alternate history. We're just talking like, hey, we still won the war, but if we don't do mm-hmm. this, it might happen again kind of storyline. Yeah, like what if it's kind of scenario and that's kind of neat. So um yeah, I, I think at some point I will pick this up and play it, but it's not going to be a day one just because I don't have a huge amount of interest in the multiplayer. I still want to play of... Modern Warfare, but it's I still rarely ever see it go below 40. And it's like, man, I can't justify that just for the campaign. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I was all excited when they uh, said Black Ops 4 was going to be free on PlayStation Plus. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then my brain remembered it was only multiplayer. There was no campaign for that game. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that was a waste. Yeah, for sure. So no, I'm excited to see kind of where it goes and what happens to it. So, um, yeah. Any other closing thoughts about Call of Duty? It's it's got to do something. It's got to do something different to get me back. But I don't think I'm their market anymore, so I can't really say that it's going to happen. They they know what their audience wants, and that's what they give them. Yeah. Like, do you think? Do you think that this is going to be a successful Call of Duty though? Uh, in terms of. I guess what they probably wanted to do, I would probably say no, just because Warzone's t- kind of taken most of the player base away. I don't know if they'll <laughs> suddenly turn off Warzone to go play 
uh, Vanguard. They might turn it off to go play it for a month, but they'll go right back to Warzone as soon as they've kind of finished what they want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what's going to happen with that too, because like Warzone is hugely popular. I think that's probably the more popular Call of Duty game now. I'm trying to remember, um, this might be the first like actual Call of Duty release since Warzone's come out. So I wonder if that affects the sales at all. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what that does as well. Um, and there's also like I think there's just some animosity right now towards Activision and well, yeah, like I said, I, there, I, there there is the, the the very dark cloud hanging over them right now. Yeah, I don't think now. Once again, we've talked about this. There's a I don't think everyone who plays Call of Duty is aware of what's going on or I mean, even cares. Yeah, I, uh, just like we are a silo in the sense of we are a small percentage of the people who play video games who, you know we're talking on a podcast and you guys are listening to a podcast about video games gonna be surprising not a lot of people who play video games do this and so they don't know what's going on there and so but i think there are some people who are genuinely aware of what is going on and will sort of vote with their wallets so i don't think it'll be crippling for them but i do think that it'll have some ramifications it'll be perfectly fine bobby Cotter will make another crap ton of money and then fire more people later after record profits again we know how it goes yeah uh, speaking of uh, crappy game designers, I saw Free Guy over the weekend. That, oh, that I still have to get is, around to that, but that movie is awesome. So, uh, kind of got, got through all our topics, and so now let's just we're gonna open it up to some random stuff. I, so. I'm, I'm honestly struggling because like Shang Chi's coming up, and I still don't think I'm ready to go watch movies in theaters. So I'm, I'm like, he, here's a hot take. You know, since since it's really hot in this room, mm-hmm. I don't. I think it's really really shitty. I know why they're doing it, but it's really shitty of Disney right now to force people to go out of their comfort zone and during a pandemic to have to see a movie in theaters. Or I guess any company in general. I don't like the idea that right now, especially in the States where it's even worse, like here in Canada, it's not nearly as bad as it could be because we actually have a pretty decent amount of the population that took the damn vaccine. But mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine living in like downtown Chicago and wanting to watch Shang-Chi and realizing that there's a pretty good chance if I go in that theater, I might be walking out with COVID just based on how many people are sitting in that movie theater. You can yeah. say, oh, we do these social distancing guidelines. We got masks on anything. All it takes is that one guy indoors to like take his mask off, sneeze a little bit, and it just starts to carry. Well, to be fair, like people are taking their masks off in the theaters to like eat popcorn. and hey, Well, there's that too, right? So like there is an inherent thing. Now, granted, I'm not speaking to what it's like in the states but here in canada like it was really good like i think there was maybe a total of like i'd say maybe 20 to 40 people in our theater like we were in the vip section um but like we had nobody near us like it was really well done in terms of how they did it so um yeah i i I get where they're doing like it's a tough spot because the movies theaters are also struggling and so yeah but yeah going back to the topic of free guy free guy is awesome uh it's a really well done video game movie um it's not over the top and like hey look 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 like it's this thing like i liked ready player one but i felt ready player one was way too much in your face about like look 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 here's a here's a pop culture reference for you and it was good but it was over the top whereas i felt free guy if you are interested in video games it's there um and you can see it and like there's a couple that are over the top and like in your face but it's not it's not overwhelming like it was in ready player one now it's a Ryan Reynolds movie and it's kind of comes across as a comedy, I guess I didn't find it particularly funny in terms of like busting my gut. This is not Deadpool kind of 
humor. Ryan Reynolds is doing his typical shtick and everything, but it is a fun and it is a good movie. It's entertaining. Turn your brain off and just have fun. Um, I, as a gamer, I really liked it. My wife, who you know knows some video game stuff just by the fact of you know osmosis and being with me for so long, uh, she enjoyed it as well. So yeah, if you guys are looking for like a fun movie to go see that's you know somewhat tangentially related to video games and like you know what's going on in the video game space, like it's really good. Like they do have some conversations about what's going on like in video game space and yeah it's well acted well done the story is interesting i'd highly recommend it but don't go in thinking it's a super hilarious deadpool-esque comedy it's not it's like i think it's rated pg so like, you can kind of get an idea of what the level of humor is like so yeah just uh thought i'd just bring that up because you were just talking we were talking about video game ceos and stuff and like i said we're gonna just kind of go randomly here until yeah, and then I'll just do my quick review for Watchdog Legion. Um, Adam, we were talking about this as well. Skyrim, surprise, surprise. I, I, it's been a while since we've heard about Skyrim. Uh, it's coming out with another edition for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. So Skyrim is coming out with the 10 years of Elder Scrolls. So they're coming out with the anniversary edition. Uh, this is coming, interestingly enough, from the PlayStation blog. Uh, so they wrote... Um, for fans looking to commemorate the 10th anniversary of Skyrim or newcomers ready to take their first steps into Tamriel's northern landscape, the Elder Scroll V Skyrim Anniversary Edition releases November 11th, 2021 for PlayStation 4 consoles with backwards compatibility on PlayStation 5 systems. The anniversary, it's not even on PlayStation 5 naturally. It is backwards compatible for the PlayStation 5. What the hell? The Anniversary Edition contains the full game plus all three expansions, Dawnguard, Heathfire, and Dragonborn as well as the enhancements found in the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim Special Edition. The Anniversary Edition also contains over 500 pieces of Creation Club content, including quests, dungeons, bosses, weapons, spells, and more. Damn it, Adam. They can't keep getting away with this. They can't keep doing this. When will this stop? It doesn't. <laughs> and why Skyrim? Like, uh, Skyrim's great, but like... They've got so many games. Like, why? Like, how many versions of Skyrim do we have, and how many consoles this is on? Also, you're making this, you're releasing this game in November of 2021. Oh, I think I lost him. Oh, there he is. Oh, our tech issues are coming. I'm here. Hello, can you hear me? You alive? Okay, okay, okay. You were talking shit about Skyrim. Maybe don't do that. Maybe be careful. They might be listening to us. <laughs> Todd Howard's like listening. He's like, no, cut the feed. Look, look, look. It just works. I'm not kidding. Now, here's the thing, though. You're making a game that was for the PlayStation 3 that has al- it already has a version on the PlayStation 4. You have the Skyrim, whatever the hell it was called, edition, like the the one that they made for PlayStation 4. Uh, the special edition. They had the special edition on the fourth. And now they're coming up with a different edition on that same console. Why the hell is this not being made natively for PlayStation 5? Probably because Bethesda is bought by Xbox. But what the hell are they doing here? Why? Like, one, how is this still getting released on there? That's surprising to me. Two, why is it not being built for the PlayStation 5? Like, this is ridiculous. Because they don't care and they know stupid people buy it because it's Skyrim. I, I I wish I could come up with some other reasoning, but it's because they know they can. And well, let's yeah, be honest, they don't have an Elder Scrolls game coming up for probably another five years. So and it's not coming to PlayStation, anyways. 
I mean, I'm assuming so, given For, that maybe. Well, who knows? Yeah, but it's just why like this does not make sense to me if i'm gonna buy skyrim for ps4 why would i buy this version when i could just go and get the special edition for cheaper like this doesn't make any sense stop asking intelligent questions you're 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 supposed to be a gamer kaylin you're supposed to be dumb as doorknobs like come on it's just 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 buy it buy it this is ridiculous todd howard wants you to buy it kaylin buy it Todd buy Howard it. can get his yacht money some other way. Yeah, by you buying it. Twice. Three no, times. No. Along with the new no. Grand Theft Auto that's coming up for PS5 too. Don't oh, forget. You this doesn't keep... also include it. There's also the Skyrim VR. There are now going to be three versions of ways to play this game on your console. I, I All I'm hearing is that we now need a fourth version in the next three years and then a fifth version just to release as like our final edition as, as Elder Girls 6 comes out. And then, yeah. surprise, we'll release one more remastered edition after that. It's the never-ending Skyrim. So, we have Skyrim. We have Skyrim Special Edition. We have Skyrim VR. And we are now going to have the... Like, the... 10th anniversary edition we now have four skyrim games we are one away from being able to do a top five skyrim game releases see you're just getting todd howard's dick hard right now i don't i don't know what the problem is here yeah in all seriousness yeah it's it's pretty dumb but this is ridiculous clearly it's working because enough people seem to buy it because i don't know because i guess i'm i guess we're the intelligent gamers on this market like oh that's, a, that's sure. a very generous no that's a very generous statement for us we well i mean we're not buying here. skyrim again to be fair we haven't it hasn't come out yet so we can't confirm that we haven't bought it yet. i'm not going to buy it i haven't bought any of the either. other ones since i played the original on 360 so no i will not be buying it yeah i, I i'm gonna i'm gonna confess right now but even with all these additions that have come out i still haven't like played skyrim <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you if you buy it you might be like one of the like five percent of people that buy the skyrim new edition electric no. boogaloo that has never played skyrim and most of the people that are buying it are rebuying it because yeah there's fishing in it now but at this point like skyrim's old enough that like most of your gaming pcs like go buy it on steam and just get all the mods for free kaylin stop i told you to stop asking intelligent questions that was actually a statement <laughs> see this talk is so dumb that i'm not even paying attention anymore <laughs> fair enough uh anything you want to bring up i know we're just kind of like doing an open discussion which is something that we don't typically do here is there anything on your mind that you want to talk about i mean i would have had something else to say but then i took an arrow to the knee so <sighs> well done sir i, I get that <laughs> reference you just uh, steve right, rogers that was like i understood that reference i understood that reference <laughs> um all right, well, let's just wrap it up. I'll, uh, as I promised you guys, we're going to do a untimely review for Watch Dogs Legion. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we are not influential enough and not, and we're too broke to go and play games when they get released, before they get released. We release, we review games on our own dime, on our own time, when we can, as we can, and we bring you untimely reviews. So, I wrapped up um, Watch Dogs Legions yesterday. Um, I probably put about 20 to 30 hours into this and adam you and i were talking about this and this is one of those games 
it's weird like it does it it tries some it's a very experimental game it does some things very well and it does some things really badly or doesn't quite stick the landing and so i figure i'll kind of talk about there this game's watchdogs if you've played watchdogs one watchdogs two like you get the general gameplay it's sort of like a open world gta style you know driving cars shooting stuff up now what they do interestingly in this game and you've probably have heard is they do it where there's no sort of main character basically anyone in london can sort of become a playable character that you can recruit into your organization and this was a neat idea but once again doesn't quite stick the landing and what i'm saying by that is that i i started with a character and i started recruiting some and the problem is you have to go through like two or three little repetitive missions to recruit someone so it's like oh like my buddy got like abducted can you go rescue him and you go like rescue him and like oh man i need to get this information can you go get this information and it's just these small repetitive missions that i didn't want to recruit people because i'm like i don't care to like go through the step i mean it would help if they were fun but like the map is so huge and they're usually put at like opposite corners of the map so you can't this was a huge break with me this was a huge gripe for me. So like I'd go to a mission and it'd be like, go to the Northwest corner of this map to meet somebody. Okay, great. I have a mission for you now drive to the other end of this map. And I'm like, no, like, why are you doing it this way? This does not need to be done this way. Um, so like the missions are repetitive in, in recruiting. So I didn't feel compelled to recruit a whole bunch of people because I didn't bother to do all those mini missions. And this brings up another system within the game is this is like idea of permadeath so at first i was playing this game and i'm like i'm gonna do permadeath give some stakes so i don't want to lose these operatives but the problem is that that then forces you to do these crappy recruitment missions and like if your guy dies there's a good chance he's not coming like i had very rare instances like my character rarely if ever got arrested they would always just get killed and so if mission or something your guy's gone. And so I had that situation where I had awesome characters. Like I had a secret agent spy and I'm like, I'm not going to use him because if he dies, I might need him later. So I'm using my crappy, like middle of the road or like, you know, just the generic guys. And I'm like, okay, I'm not having fun with this. And they kind of got the impression that the permadeath was a way that you were supposed to play this game. But the problem is, is that, some of your characters are like, oh, if your character is in the hospital or is arrested, they'll get recovered sooner. But when you're playing on permadeath, most of the guys die. So those you, those skills are useless. And so I felt the recruitment was a neat idea, but it was also not done well. And it has a larger problem with the overall missions as well. So I might have a guy who is great at hacking or something like that. So he's a fantastic hacker. I don't really know what these missions are about or what's going to happen. So there's oftentimes I'm like in a mission where it's like hacked server. And then all of a sudden you get swarms of enemies coming at you. Well, if you didn't bring a guy who's good with guns, good luck to you. And so I kind of got annoyed with that. Like I kind of wish what they had done instead is that almost like a GTA three style thing where it's like, Hey, we're going to have a heist. We need a, someone we're going to have a, we're going to need a getaway. We're going to need someone to shoot up the place and we're going to need a hacker. And so I can sort of build these teams Right now, it's just you have X amount of guys. One's good at hacking. One's good at shooting. You can pick one. How do you want to approach this? And it's like, okay, well, it's not really flexible or on the fly. Like, you can't really swap out. You can't switch. So, yeah, that was kind of an issue. And then the levels were also kind of seemed to pigeonhole you one way or another. Like, I felt like I was getting to the point where I was just 
hacking like i wasn't even going into buildings i was just you know doing a drone flying in there hacking the system getting out and it was kind of repetitive and not really challenging or, or versatile enough so yeah that being said i think it's really interesting what they're doing i just felt like it could have been done better graphically the game on the playstation 5 looks really good i know when it first came out it had some issues but like the ray tracing looks amazing with like water on the ground but then at moments too it looks terrible where you have situations where you know facial hair looks absolutely terrible there was bugs in the system where you know things were like popping in popping out or just you know glitching a bit so it's a game that's just on both ends and also by having a main character like none of the characters were super endearing or interesting like i don't even know what my character's names were or who they were and it didn't really matter to me the only character that i felt was super interesting there's an ai system that kind of is or running the whole organization that's bagley and bagley was hilarious like he's this quippy smart alecky like ai and it was so much fun just having him chat within the system so i really like that but i felt the game just once again with ubisoft didn't appreciate my time and like wasted a lot and the guns weren't super powerful as well like you for the most part like only can buy like electric like taser guns and stuff which kind of didn't make the shooting super well like i was finding that if i was playing on a difficulty like i was playing on normal and i was just blowing through the missions and it was really easy so i'm like okay i'm gonna go on difficult but the problem is that then my guys who don't have like actual guns like they can't do like they're taking forever to kind of get those kills so it's just a weird balanced game so i mean it's fine it's fun but like it's also not like this is a media like i'd say this game is a 6.5 or so um i got it for like 30 bucks and i felt that was kind of worth it does some cool things some neat experiments the hacking the the whole system is really neat like the world is well realized but yeah it's repetitive it's got some good ideas that just aren't executed well yeah i mean i've played a little bit of it myself um similar to you i got it for for 30 bucks so i'm not i'm not too upset that i probably won't end up finishing this game because again like you said it does. It has some really good ideas. It's just the problem mm-hmm. is, is it's like a lot of things when you try things over the first time. It doesn't go very well the first time you do it. You have to really have a few guys try it to before it gets nailed down pretty well. I mm-hmm. love the idea of a game where you can just take anybody off the street. Like if you really like the look of that character, you like the name of that character, you, the little bit of backstory that you get out of them. You really like that person. You want to like see more of them out of an NPC. You can just do it. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to just recruit a team of old ladies and just freaking walk around just caning the shit out of people, you can do it. But, you know, it's like you said. Don't make the, it a chore to do that. Yeah, it, it it really takes you out of the fun. Like, it should just be as simple as one mission or there should be just be people right away. They're just like, hell yeah, let's go. Whereas yeah. it, it, it feels like more often than not, any of the people that you really want to get, like that actually have good abilities... It's a chore to get, and it shouldn't be a chore in a game unless it's, like, we're talking, like, ultimate weapon kind of stuff. Like, if it's literally, like, mm-hmm. some of the best, like, kind of players in the game, the ones that mm-hmm. are really hard to find, then sure, give me two or three missions. But for any random Joe Schmo on the street, it shouldn't be anything more than, like, a pretty quick recruitment thing. Because, like... yeah. You know, I know that this is supposed to be somewhat reality and, you know, it, it, you wouldn't just be able to get somebody to, to you know, be a part of your big hacker organization going against the government. Mm-hmm. But no offense, 
I'm not real life here. I'm playing a goddamn video game. You got to find a balance between making it fun and making it realistic if you're going that route. See, the way I would have done it is I would have done a situation where, hey, if you were trying to recruit someone because like it's a Ubisoft game, so it's got burrows, it's got areas of the map that you have to unlock. And so in this game, you are. Oh, I think we lost him again. We were just having we're all turning kinds of fun on the shows. Bro's defiant by the mission. Because, all right. Oh, am I back? Yeah, we're having so much fun. We've had two hiccups on your end, and my Streamlabs has has messed up twice, so it's been frozen on screens for a bit. So this is just that kind of show that I think, like, I think we're shit-talking Activision, or not Activision, we're shit-talking Bethesda when they got mad, now we're shit-talking Ubisoft and they're getting mad. I think we just need to start being a fully positive podcast today. <laughs> no, and once again, I'm not trying to be negative. Like, they did some neat things. I just, not all of them stuck. It's not a bad game, like... It's just mediocre, and it's just because I felt that they didn't quite stick the landings. What I was going to say in terms of that recruiting aspect is one of the things you have to do in these games to unlock them is you have to make them defiant by doing some sort of side missions. And I think what they should have done is that, hey, if you're trying to recruit someone in a, in a borough that has not been unlocked or like hasn't gone defiant, yeah, you have to do these missions and convince that one person. However, if I can, if I make a borough defiant, at that point, I should be able to just go up to a person and be like, hey, want to come join my team and they'll be like yeah sure i know who you are i know what you've done so that's how i would have handled it myself and like i said the game design is they don't use that mechanic of having a ton of operatives i think they use it once where it swaps up between the two so yeah like 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 you said it would be better if they found a way to make it like you know multiple missions being done at the same time with certain kind of characters <clears throat> whereas you could literally play the entire game with one character if you wanted to mm -hmm. which defeats the purpose like there should be, yeah. there should be an incentive for you to a recruit and b constantly switch between people. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like I, I ended up getting like I said my secret agent from unlocking one of the bros, and once I had him, like he was pretty much the only one I was using because, like, he was the only one that was able versatile enough, and there was no reason for me to have someone who, like, I had someone who shot bees, and I'm like, I don't care, like that's neat, but I'm not going to use it. Or I had a getaway driver, and I'm like what am I gonna do with a getaway driver? Like there's very few times, like it's never like, Hey, you need to get away from these people. Pick the getaway driver. It's just happens like, Oh, I did a mission and now I'm in a chase, but it's like, okay, would have been nice to have the getaway driver, but I'm yeah. not bringing the getaway driver to go hack a system because he's not good at that. I feel like this idea would have been great for something akin to like the division where you could play as different kind of like specialists and do mm -hmm. missions together rather oh, I, than I think... a single player kind of format. I mean, you could I, still do it, like you said, with a sort of heisting kind of like setup where it's multiple pieces to the mission. But I also look at this too and be like, you know, there's obviously a game like Operation Tango out there where you have people doing two different formats. What's the thing of having like, you know, you have your guy on the outside be doing all the hacking. You have so you have the getaway driver. You have the secret agent going in and doing all the work. And you have like the construction worker or the security guard like sitting in the background kind of like fucking with things on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like there are yeah, cool ways like of going about it. I mean, you could just yeah. all be secret agents and just all start at different corners of the building and just see who gets there faster. 100%. But but yeah, doing it like an Ocean's Eleven style where yeah. it's, everyone has a role and everyone's contributing as opposed to just here you have all these people with unique skills, pick one and go do the whole mission. Yeah, you know what? If they wanted to take this Legion concept and use it differently, this would be a great way to do it. Like do it, in, do it as like what the Division should be. Because look, no offense to the Division, but it's boring as hell because it's just... It's a third-person shooter with basic combat, and the customization is non-existent because it's 
an apocalyptic situation. Whereas Watch Dogs Legion has a charm to it. It has like the weird like, you know, uh, cyberpunkish like dubstep, you know, techno geeky kind of stuff. So you can have some fun with like the customization too, which makes things like grinding out armor sets much more involved to players rather than like you you would in the division where the most you can get is a different colored beanie, you know? So there's there's definitely some room to take this concept and do more with it. But in terms of this game right now, it's it's not very well done. And that's just because it's like anything else, it's their first real crack at it. I realized as, as this was going, he was very well frozen. So I was kind of sitting there being like, I wonder if he's just really lost in thought or if he's just completely frozen and it looks like it's the latter. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Well, he's already given his score. I mean, I, I would tell you guys too, like, unless he comes back, I guess I might be closing the show here unless he doesn't show up now. I don't know what's going on on his end. It could even be mine. I have no idea what goes on with this stuff anymore. It's the internet. The internet doesn't tell you what it's going to do until it does it. And then you realize, oh, and there's literally nothing I can do about it right now. But for now, if he doesn't show up, look, Watch Dogs Legion, it's fine. It's honestly fine. If you can get it for a decent price, like 20, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, it's fine. But otherwise, I mean, it's nothing special. Oh, he's finally left the call now, so hopefully he'll get back before we can end the show off. So maybe I'll talk about a Watch Dogs Legion a little bit more. Look, I love Watch Dogs 2. So I was really interested going into Legion. I wanted to see something really cool with it. And, you know, I played it and it didn't take me very long to realize, nah, there's really not a lot of soul to this game. There's not a lot that really shines with it. And it's a shame because, like I said, the concept is so cool. The idea of just being able to take an NPC off the street and do whatever you want with it. Hi, Kalen, welcome back. <laughs> but, um, Thank you, I was glad to be back. But like, yeah, this this game could have been so much more, but I knew going in that it was probably not going to be great because I could see from this concept that it was a lot to ask for, for a studio that honestly probably wasn't going to be able to handle it. And I was right. Now, granted, I didn't pay full price for it. Thank God. So I'm not nearly as hurt about it. So it is what it is. And, you know, it's it's not the worst decision in the world if you want to go and get it. So if you want to try it now, if you get a good price for it, Give it a shot. Maybe you'll end up finding a lot to like about it. But don't go in there expecting, like, a fantastic game. This game is okay at best, really, when you take it all together. Yeah. And thanks for holding that. I, I missed a little bit, but it sounds like you were kind of capturing what I was saying. Yeah. it's If you get this at discount for 30 bucks, it's not a waste of money. Like, it's a neat experiment. It does some cool things. There is definitely a fun game to be had here, um, but it's not necessarily going to be for everybody. It's not gonna be everyone's cup of tea and it's definitely not something that like i feel is worthwhile at you know 80 bucks especially as we get more and more games on our next gen systems it'll be less and less relevant so thank you for holding down the fort while my computer decided to crash i i do, I do my best you know dead sick heard me talking about you know talking badly about watchdogs and they just shut me what, down what, what why would dead sick be mad at you because I'm talking badly about Watch but you're an, but you're being anti-establishment. You're going against the game being any good. So they 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 respect that. You know. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there then before the this whole thing catches on fire. Yeah, I think the fact that we've gone 90 minutes is kind of showing. Like, ah, eh, maybe the show only has about a 60 minute gap before it's like, all right, yeah. no, the show can't handle it anymore. This is why we keep our show short, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's our because, reason. <laughs> yeah. So. 
all right, we'll wrap it up there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for bearing with us with all of our technical difficulties. If it's the first time that you've joined us, I'd like to say that they don't all go this off the rails and this badly, but we have some technical difficulties here and there. Um, but for those of you who stick with us, no matter what the difficulties, we really appreciate you guys listening to us, whether that is on your uh, on YouTube or whether it is through the app of your choice for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you guys are listening to us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Uh, it really helps us out, especially hitting that like button, leaving comments. Really helps us get seen and get more people to become aware of us as a podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on through your Spotify or wherever, leave a review. You know, let us know what you like, what you don't like, and just let other people know. Feel free to share it out. We definitely want to get more people on board and listening. And if you want to be part of the show, don't ever feel like you can't connect with us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at PixelPlayCast. You can also reach us at PixelPlayPodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, let us know what you think uh, about this week's episode. What are your favorite SNES games? Um, what do you think of the new um, Call of Duty Vanguard? And uh, yeah, anything else that we've talked about, we'd love to hear you guys chat about it. All right. Or just Thank anything you so much in general. With you you, you want to ask some random ass questions for the next show? Go at it. Because uh, when Do we it. have dead shows like this, thank God a 30 year anniversary pops up and that gives us like 40 minutes to work with. Yeah, it definitely helped out. So, all right, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye for now.